there, welcome to or welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul Maganellan. Thanks for joining me. Um, okay, so a little bit of uh, disclosure and a little bit of context for this podcast and a little bit of a, a lengthier introduction. The guest is a lady called Geraldine McQueen and Geraldine uh, was a barrister. Um, she then stepped back from the bar to become a mother requalified as a psychotherapist and has is also an artist um, who has exhibited in places like Berlin, Dublin, Belfast, Paris and has recently been published um, as a writer in Freckle magazine which is a magazine local to Northern Ireland is probably um, it's a brilliant magazine um, we talk about that in the podcast I think um, but yes, yeah, so the podcast is all about a series of workshops that Geraldine has been holding um, is since October, November, um, called Art for the Senses, where um, she brings together her skill as an artist, a life coach, um, uh, kind of an inspirational speaker too, and um, a psychotherapy to use creativity, I suppose, to... Um, offer respect for those people who have suffered trauma and um, you know mental illness or emotional anxiety or or whatever it may be so the podcast goes on for about 40 minutes or so and I'm hoping it's going to be one of maybe two or three because it's a really um, I find it really interesting um, on a number of levels Uh, I attended one of the workshops and found it really really um, inspiring um, invigorating, stimulating, thought-provoking. Um, it was just brilliant. Some of the feedback from those other people who attended was even deeper than, than the feedback that I've just given and the impact of Geraldine's work and the impact of art and creativity um, on those people who, who just find life a bit challenging sometimes. is uh, It's really inspiring. So I hope you really enjoy this. Um, it's been a as well as been the longest introduction, it's been one of the hardest introductions to a podcast for a number of reasons, but I hope you really enjoy it anyway. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you later. Geraldine, as a, this is take number three for the introduction, so it's probably better if we resort to the more formal route. Um, and if you can give me a little bit of background as to um, what you've been doing professionally and um, where you are at this point in your life. Sure. Um, thanks, Paul. Thanks for speaking to me. Um, well, I started out life as a young barrister many moons ago, uh, working between Dublin and Belfast. Um, I was at the bar for about 10 years. And then family came along and I stepped back from a career in law and eventually I retrained in psychoanalytic psychotherapy, um, which I practice now again between both jurisdictions. Um, but running alongside that, I discovered a passion and, dare I say, it, a talent for art. And I've been exhibiting my work and selling it and travelling with it since um, since then, 2009. And so I find myself now really devoting a lot more energy to um, to the artistic side of things and also to uh, sharing more of that to a wider audience and that's really where I find myself now. So you find a like a point of convergence with the psychotherapy work and your passion for art too, right? I did, yeah. It's interesting because um, 
I, in the decision to retrain in psychotherapy, I actually was accepted onto two master's courses and decided to go the analytic route. But I was also um, had the opportunity to formalise um, art and psychotherapy as a training. But um, I decided then that um, the the painting side of things I, I developed for myself. So it really kind of ran along parallel lines, if you like. And initially, reflecting on it, I was using art more as a therapeutic medium for myself and then realised that there was something in it and that I could um, pursue it uh, in terms of, you know, handing it over to the to the wider public, if you like, um, which was a big thing. I had my first exhibition 2009 in, in Downpatrick and um, I still remember that fondly, yeah. So it was a, a journey of self-discovery. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, can you talk, is there much more you can talk about that? And, and the reason I, I ask that is because for a lot of people, um, everything starts with an awareness and you obviously had a heightened sense of awareness to know that you needed to find something or you stumbled across it or how did it happen? Sure, yeah. Um, no, no, I, I'm, I'm happy to be, to be open about that. I, I guess the... Um, when I say I discovered art as a therapeutic medium for myself, it, I'd, I'd probably been delving in and out of it without really knowing what I was doing properly um, uh, for many years prior to that, um, when I'd kind of benefited from my own therapeutic work over uh, a long time. So um, the art was a way for me to find, uh, I guess, a sense of release and a sense of freedom and and a way to express something that at times I find difficult to uh, verbally articulate, if you like. And so that would have had its roots in early life experiences that I um, had myself. And and so then when I was um, training uh, with the psychotherapy, I realised what I'd been doing in terms of accessing the art and accessing that kind of latent creativity, which I have to say I probably had shelved a bit, you know, when I was um, working in law, because it's quite, as you could imagine, right brain, there isn't much room for emotional expression. And um, and so that side of things really uh, broke through again, if you like, when I became a mum and, um, and then in the kind of deeper work of training, understanding the psyche and the mind in terms of psychotherapy, um, it really brought everything together for me. And I realised that you know, it wasn't just enough to have accessed um, therapy, but it was very, very important for me to find different forms of expression. And I feel blessed and lucky enough to have um, discovered um, the kind of passion for art, if you like, and the talent around that. So you um, stopped your work at the bar to have uh, to have a family, and then you decided to train in psychotherapy. What kind of a journey was that from one very, well, yeah, what was the journey like? I don't want to sort of describe the, the work as a barrister, but they're very, very different disciplines. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. They're they're very different. And it's funny, <clears throat> I've sometimes thought it might have been, um, you know, beneficial to have uh, understood the psyche more uh, before I went into law. But anyway, that's that's for another conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, I when I step back from from law, from working at the bar, you know, it was it was very pressured. At that stage, I'd held um, a couple of public appointments. So it was, I kind of moved from working at a certain level to becoming a new mum. And that was, um, that was really 
a huge change for me. And I suppose over the next few years, um, I had my daughter and then my son came along a couple of years later. And and at that stage, I'd been reassessing, um, you know, life as a, a lawyer. And I, I realised that I wanted to do something which I suppose was more reflective of who I am and was as a person, as a woman, and having unlocked something of myself through motherhood, if you like. So moving towards uh, psychotherapy was, if I can be just honest about it, was in, in part because I had benefited myself from um, an analysis over a number of years. And and I realised that I could, I suppose, bring my kind of my compassion and understanding of, of people and um, how we work, if you like. I could bring that to bear in a different environment. So there there really is an element of um, helping people, obviously, um, but helping them to empower themselves through eventually understanding their own minds. And um, and that's has to be done in a, in a non-judgmental non and non-punitive way. So it's, it's, it is, it's very different from law, for sure. Yeah. Can you, I know I can't ask you to describe a typical day in, in the practice, but what, um, can you describe what the work entails and uh, sort of the diversity of the work that you undertake? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you know, of course, there isn't a there isn't a, a uniform day, or each each day is different to the next. If you like, um, I suppose what's important, even just to preface, is to say that when I was training, my training was in a quasi psychiatric facility. So, um, a lot of the the training patients that I would have worked with were also under psychiatric care, which means that, to use a bit of kind of, you know, psychotherapy lingo, um, that most of those people uh, would have had very severe levels of disturbance. That's the word that, that's used. In other words, it's it's difficult work. Um, you have to have a, a certain approach to the work, and, and that would be reflected in my, my practice um, uh, with with different types of, of people who come through the door, so to speak, and um, you know it, it's it's um, it's it's a type of work which requires you to bring uh, all of your senses to bear, if you like, when you're um, trying to create and hold and sustain um, a safe space where people feel that they can speak quite often for the first time ever in their lives about issues which um, are troubling them and which are preventing them from having a, a quality of life that the rest of us perhaps take for granted. And so it's, um, it's, it's intense work. It's very intensive, yeah. There's um, this idea that um, society, will, here in the North, things have kind of normalised a little bit and um, maybe not necessarily reflected by the political landscape at the minute, but there's a certain mm. normality to the life compared to what was going on pre-mid-90s and the Good Friday Agreement and all that, but mm. I did some research into um, the you know mental health issues com in Northern Ireland compared to the rest of the UK or Ireland, and um, the North has a 25% higher overall prevalence of mental health issues compared to England. Um, yeah. uh, some of the statistics are really, really, really shocking. You know, 80% of women here have no access to specialist maternal mental health services. Um, mm -hmm. It's got the highest suicide rate in the UK. Um, and then, you know, for those people who are listening who maybe run businesses and 
who are trying to manage and motivate teams. Mental health here is the leading cause of absence in, in work and the greater contributor to long-term sickness. So it's a, it's a huge problem that, um, you know, I don't know where to start. How you how you how you, you can talk you can talk about it to, to try and make it a normal conversation because it's a it's a conversation that people a lot of the time don't want to have, right? Sure. I mean, I I think and I think it's important that you raise all of those matters because I I think there's something about the psyche which has to really quite recent times prevented us from because of the stigma attached, if you like, from um, you know the stigma around the idea that somebody mightn't be, you know, that phrase like right in the head or something like that. And and it, it's it's really, um, it's difficult to have the conversation when there is a stigma. So if you kind of pair that back, I think what we're, we're left with is not just a residue of what's been happening here for the last 30 or 40 years, but it, 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 go, it goes deeper than that. And I think there's something really important around this conversation that needs to be had, which is to understand that uh, each of us is impacted upon by specifically our early environment. So these these difficulties that a lot of people are presenting with as adults have possibly been around um, for many, many years. And so the interventions, if I can use that word, that might prevent um, an escalation of difficulty later in life, those interventions should be happening at a really early stage. And um, and I, I think, I think it, it, it is. It is perhaps for another conversation or series of conversations. But it, it, it is a huge problem, and it is something that has to be addressed, and it has to be addressed in a holistic way and globally, and with with various, um, I suppose, policymakers and those who can influence actually listening to and leading an informed discussion. Yeah. The um, the. Um Prehab over rehab idea and the the idea of the intervention at an early age is kind of resonates again. I I'd take a look at some documents that are available readily online that I probably wouldn't have looked at had we not been having this conversation. And from mm-hmm. the British Child and Adolescent Mental Health Surveys in 1999 and 2004, which, given the dates, I suspect these figures are probably largely. Um, uh, Worse than, than than I'm going to going to, going to presently um, narrate, but three and four mental illnesses start in childhood. Fifty percent of mental health problems in adults take root before the age of sixteen. Yeah. And the real shocker is that seventy five percent of young people with mental health issues are not receiving any treatment at all. Uh, absolutely, and you know the certainly within and. and I suppose I can speak to my experience um, when I was at the bar and, you know, uh, in, in criminal defence work was that certainly within the, the criminal justice system, the, the, the dearth of mental health issues and the, the absence of informed or consistent care for especially young people was, yeah, I, I would have to say it was appalling. Now, there, there have been improvements, but um, that's just within one one limb, if you like, of the, the conversation. And I mean, if, what I, if I can sort of jump from that to speaking with my, you know, psychotherapeutic hat on, so to speak, and that is that um, it is agreed really within all of the literature and certainly borne out in, in my own practice that when, for example, a teenager or someone in their mid-20s or early 30s 
perhaps has experienced what we would term as a, a breakdown. When you spend time getting to understand that person, you realise how quickly that those breakdowns have already happened in early childhood. In other words, they're really repetitions of of uh, a traumatic event or a response to a traumatic event which has happened very early on. And that, that opens up a whole other ambit around um, various levels and degrees and types of trauma, which really are just beginning to scratch, you know, the surface scratched off, if you like, or present themselves in a more informed way. So the words, the words we use to, to kind of frame this, you know, we talk about trauma. These, these words are um, uh, sometimes for people hard to listen to. How can you, um, do you think people are trying to um, use normal language so that it's more acceptable and people feel more free to talk about it? Um, I think there's definitely an element of that. I think I think what's um, important is to realise that you know we're not none of us are alone with this. In other words, um, when you talk about trauma, you talk about um, you know pressure brought to bear on individuals. It, it's we each have a relative experience of something that um, we bring with us into into adulthood. So you know you can use language to make it more palatable but each of us come from places where you know you know we we do have things that we have to think about and we have things that have impacted on us on, in life and i suppose it's about uh, I, I come back to this word stigma t- taking the stigma away from the discussion and then there can be a more open and informed discussion um and in a way that everyone feels able to contribute or feels that they are being heard I think that's maybe coming at it from a different angle. Which probably uh, leads in quite nicely to one of the events that you held at the weekend, which is, um, mm. which I, I attended myself, and is probably you did indeed. And, <laughs> and, um, it's probably part of the reason that, that we're doing this um, podcast. So I'm going to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about about it from what I noticed and my perspective of this. Okay, sure. And yeah. Hopefully that'll lead into a question that will allow you to um, uncover. Um, what's really beneath it because so this, this was the second in a workshop a series of workshops that are being held in your home village um, that bring together um, very very gently I have to add uh, people from a variety of backgrounds um, mainly female but that's not strategic that's just the way it happened and people come together and over the course of two hours um, what, what, what I found was that people went from um, a, f- a position of relative discomfort, I think, and a slight clumsiness and awkwardness of being in a room of other people to standing over um, pieces of art that pretty much everybody, and I include myself in this, were fairly proud of. And mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, you may well laugh. Cause, oh, no, I'm smiling. For me, it was um, a huge journey um, from. Mm-hmm. In, in two and a half hours, but so so that was that was the workshop, which was brilliant um, on every single level. It was a you know I heard somebody saying that you may have said this yourself is that you know there is an artist sitting somewhere inside everybody that mm. just needs to get a chance to come out, um, and you work as a an analyst or a psychotherapist and as an artist is. Um, quite brilliantly bringing out the artist and those people on Saturday. 
Well, <laughs> that's very kind of you, and um, I'll, I'll take that if I can say it like that. Um, I suppose the whole idea of, of um, running these series of workshops, the Art of the Census workshops, is um, to to do just that, to, I suppose, create a, a safe space, a space where people can come and, with or without experience of ever lifting a pencil to sketch or paint or whatever that might be, but just to um, to have a space to experience true creativity and, and what that might mean for them. And you, you know, you've had that experience now yourself. And so um, I suppose the very important thing for me is to, uh, is to open this up because I have benefited from it myself so much. And and it, it took a lot of soul searching, if I can say that too, because it, it's taken me some time to to get to this point that I want to do this, and um, or that I felt actually ready to do it. And I was thinking about this, knowing that we were going to have the conversation, and I realised that um, it's um, about two and a half years ago I had a, my first solo exhibition, which is a really big day for me in in Belfast. And that exhibition was called Reflections, and. It was in the city centre. I was very proud to be there. And at that stage, what I was doing effectively was, um, I suppose, sharing a series of, of work, which was both um, painting and my written word and some installation. But that was about me finally kind of uh, accepting myself and freeing myself of barriers and restraints that I had imposed on myself and, and realising that the thing that had seen me through or kind of kept constant was this this knowing that I had the ability to access this creativity and and I have to say that that, that at times you know was a bit um, distant from me but it was still there and so I'm sharing that because that's that's precisely what I want to offer um, as an insight and an experience to anyone who comes to the, the workshops and that is that um, that the creativity is there. It's um, it's something which is uh, inbuilt, if you like, and despite what we have been, um, you know, carrying around with us, we can still access this. And so, one of the really lovely things for me about the both workshops thus far is that um, there've been people from all walks of life, um, all age groups, and um, and the feedback has been well. I mean, on a personal level, it's it's been affirmative but uh, what's more important is the the experience that those who come along have had and not just the fact that they're leaving with um as you did yourself you know with with works of art but but allowing themselves to um to to have the process if you like or yeah to to enjoy that and to um and to access quite often um the emotional side of things which uh you know is is very important and and it in effect, it's it's what's bound to happen when you get in touch with parts of yourself that you haven't uh, haven't either ever done or haven't done in a in a comfortable and free way. And as you're saying that, it, it it's more and more apparent even now after than after the workshop that it's not really about experience; it's ultimately about confidence. Completely, yeah, completely, completely, and. Um, and you know, so for example, I'm sure I'm sure it's okay to to share this, but you know, so one of the participants um, you, you were there uh, was a, a young woman whose mum came along with her, um, really to support her, and had no intention of um, getting in 
anything out of it and and she was in touch with me to say that not only did she feel confident enough to to stay but she wants to come back and and you know that that's as important to me and for me as as someone who's you know uh, been painting for 20 years and so it's 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 about the human the human experience really and it's um again as a result of of the workshop and and my understanding of the work you're doing i was looking at um uh on the internet before this conversation there's a a paper published by um several eminent politicians um called creative health the arts for health and well-being um which is really a, a series of discussions and research from individuals and organisations from the world of health, arts, academia and politics. And it's probably in response to the a very evident challenge to public health services moving forward, which, which you know, it's not witch doctory. It's very evident that um, the needs of the population can't be remedied by medicine alone. And some of the documents and some of the discussions that people are having were art as therapy, um, you know, it's uh, it's it's very obvious from the from the session on on Saturday alone that mm. um, art in the right environment with the right people can be really cathartic and very very therapeutic. Uh, absolutely, and you know you 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 know yourself. It wasn't just about um, painting, but it was about in the you know the kind of the various stages of how it broken down the the nature of the couple of hours, but to allow everyone the experience of, say, you know, um, thinking outside of the box and actually doing something which is outside the comfort zone and then realising that actually I can do that. So it's as much about the encouragement and the the value, the value that you really attach to yourself and and how that is translated, whether it's it's, uh, through a creative process or in some other way. But, but, uh, you know, that... that, um, self-value is something which transcends um, uh, any kind of work environment any um, any any environment really where people need to feel that they are of value and need to feel that they are contributing and and worthy I suppose and so this kind of wider more global um uh, conversation that you referenced there in terms of, of the um, the research, you know, it's in a way for me it's a no-brainer because I'm coming from an informed perspective. But for a lot of people, they haven't really thought about it in this way before. And um, you know, we'll, we'll maybe come on to speak about it later. But uh, you know, th- this this idea of having various contributors and various um, voices heard in a kind of uniform way is. Uh, is crucial when when really we're coming we're dovetailing to a common denominator which is the the really the fundamental importance of arts and creativity and and allowing accessibility to all of that for everyone without um, uh, censorship or hesitation you know it's there it should be there for everyone yeah um so as you were given your overview i was writing down words that i felt would describe the experience and um, I'm not going to read them out, but there's some of them um, I'll probably reference between now and the end of the podcast. Um, the uh, 
you know, there's there certainly is more and more evidence building up to support this notion that an arts-based approach can help people recover, manage long-term conditions, but, you know, just stay really healthy and experience a better quality of life. But even outside of that, when you think of that moment of calm and there's like, whatever, two and a half to three hours of just complete freedom to... to mm -hmm. the, the, uninterrupted time there was no judgment from anybody and I think that was one of the biggest barriers that I found was that um, I was probably going to be my harshest critic anyway of course you know? and I am um, I, I kind of let that go very early when you see there's a young girl of the age of 13 and there's like a whole lot of different people from all mm -hmm. over the north coming in and you know there was no pressure to perform it was basically um, real catharsis you know it was just real like do your own thing um and you had this freedom and, and you, you used the word earlier, just like this whole idea of creativity, this from a, a professional context where, um, you know, business people for business owners are looking for a, a way to unwind, a way to find time and a space for a creative outlet. This is really perfect. Well, I, I'm glad you say that because I, I agree wholeheartedly, and uh, I, I think I think it's perfect. I, I also would have to go be with friends. I, I think it's necessary. You know, I think if you're taking care of your your employees, um, you take care of them in this way as well. You know, it's it's there's a lot of there has been an emphasis on, for example, mindfulness, which which is very important and has its place. But I, I think you have to take it a little step further and allow this because you've had the experience now yourself of, you know, those couple of hours where the freedom is what almost you take for granted as a child. You know, you, you'd lift up a crayon or a pencil or something and just allow yourself to daydream or float off and, and feel good about it and have a real sense of yourself. And somewhere along the line, we forget how to do that. And that's, if, if you have a creative base which is sound and centred and solid um, then that's going to feel well to use kind of maybe more um, business like you know productivity all, all of that stuff but it's really about if, if you've got happy employees then everything else is happy I would have thought <laughs> but that's obviously way, way, way too logical you know people would need to find reasons not to do that and they'd find them very easily mm. it would be expensive and all this sort of you know, put up barriers because it's unconventional and in a very, or certainly a relatively conservative society that we live in and we don't deserve to live in. People can kind not see beyond the benefits. Um, you know, you mentioned mindfulness. I've had a couple of people on talking about mindfulness and mental health on the yeah. podcast because I think they're, I think it's all really, really important. I think, you know, all of the attention that's put on physical well-being and physical training and you know, going to the gym seven times a week and, you know, eating your good diets and all this sort of stuff. I think mm -hmm. that if you're putting a toolkit together for personal well-being, holistic well-being, you would put mindfulness in there along with taking vitamin D in the winter and, you know, drinking a lot of water. But you'd also put um, uh, plenty of space for creativity. Well, you see, yeah, I mean, you have to, you have to tend to all of the senses and sensibilities and that's I think that's kind of a global thing really and um, I just I, I know myself as a person that if, if I didn't have this creative outlet I wouldn't feel um, that I was functioning on all powers really and um, it has certainly 
uh, come back. I mean, if I could speak personally for a second, you know, it, it has been um, transformative on many levels for me, and um, and not just in terms of, of accessing um, uh, confidence and uh, a resurgence of, of feeling alive, but but knowing that um, that this is something unique to me in terms of how I express myself and and how I wish to, to be seen, so to speak. And and I think that's fundamentally um, important. And, uh, and also when I'm painting and when I'm working in this way and kind of sharing this work with people, it's um, it's it's very invigorating and it, it feels right. And, um, and I'm glad that I've created this opportunity for other people to experience it. And, you know, when I do intend to, whether there are naysayers or not I, I i do intend to kind of move forward with it and um and my sense is that it will um it it, it will take off as it's meant to no it, it will do and, and um it's it's about uh, i think that i was the best way to describe it i think the people that will never be aware of it will just never be never be open to it and that's okay too there are always people who will um, find that staying the same is is the best thing for them, and and that's just as it is, you know. But absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I find it very. Uh, I, I I found it a really time well spent, and I I was really curious as to how other people were. I was as curious of other people's behaviour and attitudes towards the workshop as I was to my own because um, mm. I've I. I was just curious, you know, and I can't explain it in any other way. It was interesting, an interesting dynamic of strangers coming together and who who hardly spoke to each other on the way through, but kind of walked out as friends at the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm laughing because it's it's human nature to be interested to see what's um, what's going on at the next table or vice versa. I was copying, <laughs> but, just um, that's what I was doing. <laughs> but but I, but I, th- I think I think it's important. To say, yeah, there, there's no judgment, you know, and and part of the the technique or you know part of my approach is to encourage everyone to as you saw yourself you know to to take time and go around and look at everyone else's work and think about what's happening in the room and 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 also to fundamentally hold that space of being respectful of the other and and when at times there were you know different emotions or sharing coming up that that could be held in the room and and um and even part of that is, you know, that's about people feeling that they can be open, they can be honest and, and that they're going to be supportive. You know, we haven't used that word supportive yet, but that's that's very important too. This um, These workshops are probably one of a series of events and activities that you're um, pursuing all the way through until, um, I suppose, spring 2019. So mm-hmm. um, outside of the workshops, you were recently featured in a in the local um, magazine here in the north, um, Freckle, and mm-hmm. a, this the article I suppose was. But I, I'd be very honest with you, I thought it was very intimate and very revealing and very um, probably very personal. But it was all in um, trying to tee up your exhibition taking place in Belfast in two thousand and nineteen. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I was. I feel kind of really honoured to have um, been published in Freckle, and um, it's a it's a really cool um, publication. And um, 
yeah, the, the article was um, is um, personal insofar as I I felt that it was timely for me and um, and around themes of you know trauma and resilience and creativity um, and yes, leading to the, the the event I think you're referring to is um, at the Mac. Uh, that's in in March, late March. Um, so yeah, the the article itself. I don't know if you want me to, to go into it or not, but I mean, it, what I would say is that it was prompted by um, uh, something which came to me after the death of, of uh, one of my brothers last year. And um, and so it is a very personal piece, but um, the the message really was, I felt, important to share. So as well as the um, workshops in, in Strangford, um, you have been featured in Freckle, the local magazine here in Northern Ireland, and you're building up to an exhibition um, of fully your entire collection of art and poetry in Belfast in later in 2019. Yeah, that um, the exhibition will be at the Mark. Um, it's the 29th of March, actually. It's a Friday. Um, so yeah, working towards that, and the, I mean, it was a great honour for me to be published in in Freckle, um, and as you say, um, the article itself was, uh, yeah, it was it was it was very personal, and I suppose again a lot of kind of soul searching on on my part. I I uh, I did think about. Um, the content and then really it, the writing of it just kind of took over, if you like, because um, it was prompted by um, something which came to me after the death of one of my brothers last year. Um, he died uh, in Paris and um, as you can imagine, it was, uh, and still is, you know, managing the kind of grief around that and our early shared experiences together. Um, was very difficult, but there was something of um, in the grieving process, accessing a memory which I had um, of uh, visiting a, a tree with him, <laughs> and um, and how that kind of led to a description for myself, and I suppose then kind of sharing it more widely about <clears throat> how. These these moments are these pockets of of um, of early memories of creativity and the ability to play and the ability to access those parts of ourselves, even when the environment or the surrounds are difficult. That that that's a thread that, <clears throat> in a way, um, never leaves us. That's that's with us, and and um, um, it's uh, I suppose the resilience of that. I mean it. Uh, it speaks to everyone. Yeah. The magazine is, is uh, for those people listening, the magazine is currently available throughout Northern Ireland. Um, you may have seen it. Um, it's a kind of going against conventional media thinking and it's a most beautifully perfect bound, um, recyclable paper, high-end photography and just the most mm. interesting of articles. And um, it's a real credit to the creative space in Northern Ireland that we're able to publish something like that and sustain it. It's absolutely brilliant. It's available at fracklenorthernireland.org um, for subscription and it's worth giving them a plug because um, 
Absolutely. It's a brilliant uh, magazine entirely at any in any decade or for any generation. But right now, that's a, a real credit to the edit, editorial team. So for mm. And uh, can I just say a thank you to yourself, Paul, because um, without your introduction to Joe Lafferty, I wouldn't be in the magazine at all. So thank you. Oh no, you, well you're very welcome for that. I mean, if it's a small introduction, I think your work would uh, stand out um, and have caught their attention regardless. So. Um, well, that's very kind. Thank you. Uh, the, the exhibition on the, in, in uh, March. Um, yeah. So yeah. talk me through that. Well, I'm not going to give everything away, but um, yeah, so it, it's going to be um, an event at the Mark, uh, which I'm very excited about. Um, and it will be an opportunity to showcase my art and my written um, word and really in a quite a, an interactive way. I'm sounding a bit cryptic now, but it will be interactive. And um, I Can I ask you, what, what, what are the big challenges putting together something like that when you have to choose from, presumably you've got to look at your entire <laughs> body of work for in, in, in visual form and in written word. Is that, is that easy? No, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy at all. But um, the challenges, yeah, I mean, I suppose if I can kind of work backwards, if you like, the um, the challenge is really to um, to isolate, if I can put it like that, um, the various kind of relevant pieces. And because in terms of paintings, for example, if I just kind of narrow it down to my paintings, the, the, um, the journey around everything that I have made my mark on and and exhibited or put out into the the general public so to speak you know the, the journey around that has been varied and but all interwoven and linked it's, it is very difficult to you know I remember one piece that I think yeah that's definitely relevant and and then I realize I've done two or three in a series and how, how do I separate those out and so that that is part of it, it you know it's it's almost like um as an artist who I mean I, I suppose I'm probably known for the abstraction in my work so this ironically is a, another form of abstraction having to um, decide on one or two or three or four pieces which um, are reflective of the journey or current or relevant and can speak to the themes which I intend to address so um, that's a very long-winded way of answering your question but yeah it, it, it's not easy especially when I'm still prolifically painting and producing more work <laughs> and um, as the as the doors open um and you try and do a bit of visualization and you see these doors opening to the event and and in, in the mac what sort of person mm -hmm. and what sort of people would you think would gain or benefit most from attending well you know i i guess my, my instinct is to say everyone uh, but not everyone will come along i know that um i i would like the I suppose the the group those attending to be representative of um, various uh, sections of society, um, in part um, the artistic community, in part the therapeutic community, in part those who benefit from both, but also I I think it'd be really important to have um, uh, other activists, political voices, people who are dealing with policy, education, really people right across the board and not just limited to um, to Belfast. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, as you know, I'm a, a fellow of the RSA in London and I would I hope to um, have 
interest from you know from across the water and from Dublin and um, so that that's my thinking at the moment. Okay. Um, I would probably um, like to get talking to you again at some point just in the run up to that event. Um, yeah, I'd be delighted to. Great. I know that you're um, rebuilding, um, or not rebuilding, but you're um, rediscovering your brand um, on different platforms. Mm. And I know you've got another couple of workshops in the series currently that are taking place. One in December, which is on the 8th of December? The 8th of December, and then the final of the, this four is uh, Saturday the 12th of January, yeah. Okay, so anybody who's interested and has missed the first two, you can still take people on at this stage? There's no... Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You can you can drop into one or all, or, yeah, absolutely, I'd be delighted. Okay, and if they wanted to get in touch with you, Gerlin, your website is gerlinmulqueen.com? Dot com, or the email address... Um, yahoo.co.uk or the telephone number. Do you want that? I have that. Oh, very good. <laughs> That's good. Well, you can share that if you wish then. <laughs> I'll have to edit that out, obviously. Um, so no, the, I like that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the, um, yeah I, I would just probably say for anybody listening to this, um, you know, this is this is a subject that, that I, I, I can talk comfortably about it. I don't really have a problem talking about mental mental health issues and, and all that sort of stuff because I've been uh, we've talked to people before what the benefits of mindfulness and I've spoken to GPs outside of the outside of the podcast to try and find out to have a wider discussion on it and um, you know anybody who's interested in personal well-being anybody who's interested in kind of living a better life anybody who's interested in their uh, family or partners or children having a better life could uh, benefit greatly from one of these sessions because um, it's just a different way of spending time. It's a different way to uh, for self-exploration. It's a different um, way to challenge yourself, but there's a real sense of freedom in those workshops, Gerlin, and um, yeah. I think it's probably... Um, you can't obviously appeal to everybody, but there are people who probably could really benefit from it um, don't know that yet, you know? Absolutely. Well, I... I very much appreciate you saying that and you never know you might come to the next one yourself I might do that yeah I think I will yeah <laughs> that's good um, right listen thank you very much for um, yeah it was really really brilliant um, I'm going to um, just remind people of your web address again it's gerlinmulqueen.com and Gerlin um, thanks very much but hopefully we'll get you on again to talk about your exhibition 2019 absolutely I'd be delighted to thanks Paul thank you thank you